9 o'clock, it's a Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. You could win a bottle of Talon Wine today. Perfect for whatever you're pulling out of the oven, off the stovetop. Talon has a wine to pair with whatever you're making in the kitchen tonight. So if you got something you want to complain about today, get off your chest in the world of sports. Maybe it's Tony Romo. I know the other day somebody's cracking on Greg Olson. They didn't think Greg Olson was all that good. I think there's work there for Greg Olson to, you know, work to be done, but I don't think Greg Olson's terrible. Tony Romo, though, has dramatically regressed. It just doesn't seem like he's he's prepared half the time. Or when he's even it's just stuff that's happening in the game. Like I mentioned, the perfect pass that was thrown too high. Mm-hmm. Are you not are you not paying attention to what you're watching? Yeah, I I don't I have the the super aggressive takes about it like some other people I've seen online. I just it's not great, you know, but doing it to a lesser much 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 lesser and a much cheaper extent to management than Tony Romo, I do. Uh it's people that don't necessarily do it all the time. It's very easy for them, like, man, he sucks. Like, well, no, he doesn't really suck. It's just not that easy. He made it look very easy his first couple years, and you have to continually try to get better, and it doesn't seem like that's the case. My complaint, though, is about the things like I just referenced, things that are right there in front of you. Yeah. And and he's the the color analyst. He's not Nance. He's not the play-by-play guy. You know that from doing this. Mm -hmm. Play-by-play guy has a lot on his plate. Not yeah. the color guy sits there and just, you know, kicks back Whittles and you know, drinks a cold one and doesn't do anything. That that's not true. Mm-hmm. But as a play by play guy, you're you're worried about twenty two guys in the field. Right. And you know, really you kind of narrow it down to more skill position guys. I know people don't like that term, but wide receiver, running backs, quarterbacks. And if I'm the play by play guy, I'm not focusing on the guard. I'm sorry. No, you're just you're just not. And but that's where the color guy is supposed to come in. Hey, that left guard threw a great block right. on that trap play to spring that run. My complaint is that there are just times it doesn't seem like Tony prepares like he used to. Or just the or the thing that's just right in front of you that well, that's not what happened. Why or that makes no sense. It was a perfect pass, it was thrown too high. Mm-hmm. Well, it's either it's either thrown too high or it's a perfect pass. It it can't be both things. If it's a perfect right. pass, it was perfectly thrown and the guy dropped it. It can't be a perfect pass that's thrown too high. That's the stuff that, that I that I nitpick, but you're right. I, I I'm with you on that. We we do it on a much lower level. Much cheaper. And it's not everybody likes to think it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. Get a chance, do it. Because we've got guys who have been in this industry. Maybe not, you know, guys that have been in news or whatever that, hey, yeah. I, I'd like to try to do color at a high school football game. Or guys that have been DJs, been announcers. And they'll go to do a game and they'll go, what did I get myself into? I don't want to do this anymore. This is extremely hard to do. Mm-hmm. And Tony also has, the, but he also has the benefit of producers, people right. in his ear. He has a lot more help than than we do. In regard to calling a game. Yeah, and I just, I'm not going to hop on the Tony Romo hate train because I just don't think it's, I, just think I don't he's need reg- to. I, I just think he's regressed. I just he think has, he's, he's just sure. not as good as he's been, and that's you that's know, troubling when you're yeah. the highest paid guy, you know, in, in you know covering NFL games. But the thing is, is if you're the color guy for the number one crew, you're not going to be liked. 
Oh, it's, it's a polarizing Wilson, thing. Yep. Troy Aikman, Greg Olson, like you mentioned, when Tom Brady does it, he's going to do a very good job at some game, and people are still going to pull him apart and say, well, this is stupid. Because they don't like him. You said this stupid, blah, blah, blah. When you have three, four hours of airtime to fill and yeah. it has to constantly be filled, you're going to say something stupid. But when you make, but he's made a lot of those mistakes as of late. That's the problem. And I haven't listened to a full CBS Air A1 game in years because I watch Red Zone right. or it's the playoffs and I'm doing other stuff or I'm out of the country or whatever. So, I mean, I don't really know. I, I hear everybody else say it, sure. So your thoughts on, on Sean Payton? Denver's trading for Sean Payton to be their next head coach. Uh, Tom Brady announcing his retirement today. We've got some reaction to that. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. All right, time to talk CSU Rams basketball with Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth, on the Jim Davis Show. All right, Rams falling at home last night to UNLV 83-71. Brian Roth joins us. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Jim. How are we? Good. Before we talk about the Rams' loss, let's talk about your favorite NFL football team and mine, the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton. Your initial reaction to Denver trading for Sean Payton? Can you fix Russell Wilson? I hope. That's the plan, right? That's, that's part of the reason they're getting him. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. I mean, fix the quarterback. Fix the team. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I know it's kind of been a long and winding road to <laughs> get to this point, but um, there's probably some frustrated Bronco fans out there. But at the end of the day, I think that was the guy they they probably wanted, along with Jim Harbaugh from from the very get-go. Obviously, you're giving up the draft capital uh, to get him. But we all know good leadership um, certainly makes good teams, and obviously good quarterback makes good teams as well in the NFL. And Sean Payton's been there and done it. I mean, you look at his career record, you, you look at what he did at New Orleans, obviously a Super Bowl championship, and you know, look what he did with, with Drew Brees. And he's obviously a brilliant offensive mind. And, and Drew Brees, as he came over from San Diego uh, to the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints, wasn't the Hall of Famer Drew Brees that, that, that he is now, or is going to be. And Sean Payton, I think, had a heavy influence in that. So, you know, I'll, I'll, like, I, like, I don't care who you hire. Just hire somebody that can fix the quarterback. And then, and then we can go from there. So, uh, I, I'm I'm happy about it. Let's move on and uh, let's get this thing turned around. It's just been an absolute football nightmare. The Broncos have been purgatory since uh, the World Championship in 2015. And then also today, Tom Brady announcing his retirement. We think it was a year to the day that he announced his retirement the last time, and then 40 days later came out of retirement. I guess I'll believe it when the season actually starts, when the first regular season game is played and Tom Brady's not in a uniform and he's in a booth covering it for Fox. I, I guess I'll entirely buy it. It does, it does seem, though, to feel a little different this time around, doesn't it? Well, I mean, it's like the boy who cried wolf, right? I mean, I mean, you, you can't do it too many times before people stop believing it. So, uh, no, I, I think it probably is real. I mean, it's amazing that he has played this long and at the level that he's played, the, you know, in the NFL. And, I mean, look, I, I'm a John Elway guy. I grew up with John Elway. John Elway was the best quarterback I, I think I ever saw. But at the end of the day, you, you talk about the best ever. It's pretty hard to argue against Tom Brady and what he's done. But the thing that 
I always appreciate about the Denver Broncos is that, man, you know, Tom Brady dominated the entire NFL, but did not dominate the Denver Broncos. Sure, he beat the Broncos, but the Broncos uh, had his number as well. So while Brady had domination over the league, uh, uh, that, that isn't always the case with the Denver Broncos. Oh, let us not forget uh, Von Miller's pick of him, AFC Championship game, and and uh, Champ had the, the pick uh, in the playoff yeah. game against him. Yeah. It, it, it took it back for a touchdown. Uh, and, and so they are, they're big moments the Broncos have had against Brady in his career. All right, so that was that was kind of a nice way to ease into, <laughs> unfortunately, the Rams losing to UNLV. Okay. Yeah, for, okay. I, we got, we got, well, that's why we have you here. For a few weeks, Jim, and really looking excited, uh, excited to get back you know, to some CSU football talk. So <laughs> let's go. <laughs> for, <laughs> we can't wait for Rams football to start. Can't wait to the spring game. Uh, Four-game losing streak, uh, Rams fall to UNLV. Um Gosh, it you know it's it's one of those things where it's the basketball team that's just um, just hit a really bad stretch right now, losing last night eighty three seventy one at Moby. Yeah, it, the, the the beat goes on for this team, and it's it's really amazing kind of how far they've fallen. And you know, you look at where they were right before Christmas. CSU had gone on the road; they had had won at St. Mary's, and and looked like they were kind of turning it around, you know, St. Mary's top 25 team, you go into Moraga, which is not an easy place to play, and, and, and you beat a team like St. Mary's and didn't play very well against USC to close out the um, non-conference play, and USC is, you know, could be an NCAA tournament team. And, and so you went into the conference play thinking, you know, this is a, it's a team that has battled injuries, but it's a team that you believe can, can compete for a Mountain West Conference championship. And yeah, you you lose at home to San Jose. You lose at home to to Air Force. Obviously, the loss at Wyoming a, a week and a half ago. And you know, we were talking about it on the broadcast last night with Adam Nygod, my color analyst across the radio network. And of course, Adam, a former player at Colorado State, played for for Tim Miles. And and we keep talking about some of these close losses for the Rams, and they're right there. And you know, as he said, it <laughs> after a while, you have to you have to reevaluate who you are. And we got to be honest about the situation. CSU is just not very good. They have put 10 games on tape now in Mountain West Conference play. They've won two of them and got beat, beat up pretty good last night. I mean, let's call it what it is. They got blown out last night, uh, down by 22 with about seven minutes to go at home. They got blown out of Boise State this past Saturday. And Boise State's really good. I mean, they're, they're an NCAA tournament team. And so, at, you know, at some point, you got to reevaluate who you really are. And it's a CSU team that is two and eight in a very good and competitive Mountain West Conference, but they're two and eight. And at this point, CSU doesn't look like a very good outfit. Yeah, and you go back to last night's game, where if you, if somebody would have told you Isaiah Stevens is going to have eighteen points, hit a couple threes, John Tanji's going to have seventeen points, he'll hit a three. Patrick Cartier is going to have 17 points, and then Isaiah Rivera is going to have 17 points and, and hit a three, and, and Patrick Cartier hit a three as well. Wouldn't you think, hey, Rams probably win that basketball game with that kind of offensive production? But that's what they did yeah. last night and still lost, yeah. like you said, as badly as they did. Yeah, and we, we've, we've talked about the fact that Isaiah Stevens needs some help. And look, I mean, teams are just throwing the kitchen sink at Isaiah Stevens. And, you know, 
last night. It's, it's, it's not like you know when Isaiah Stevens gets to you know eighteen points that he's that he's taken fifteen, sixteen, seventeen shots a game. He only took eleven shots last night, and you know you'd like to see him shoot more, but. I mean, he's getting double teamed and guys running at him every every second. And we talked about the fact that the Rams need other guys stepping up. Well, last night you, you get some other guys stepping up. Although a lot of that scoring came late for the Rams, <laughs> they were down twenty two, and and all of a sudden the hair was on fire for the Rams in the final seven minutes of the game. And and again, going back to my color analyst Adam Nygon, who again is a former player, you know, said. What happened the first 34 minutes? Yeah. I mean, because UNLV was the aggressor. They had the edge, and, and they won all the loose ball, 50-50 battles. CSU looked like they were sleepwalking. And then all of a sudden, you know, your, your hair comes on fire, and you get some of these other guys scoring. But to your point, Jim, yes. I mean, if you would have told me that before the game, that uh, those four players would all score 17 or more points. But <laughs> the only guys that scored, they had 69 of the – of the 71 for the Rams. How about this stat from last night? And yeah, I, I don't know the last time I saw a number like this, but UNLV's bench outscored CSU's bench 33 to yeah. 2. That's amazing. Yeah, that's where I was going to go next. I mean, because that was the difference in the game. Keyshawn Hall had 10 off the bench, and, and he scored 10 points in 10 minutes. Luis Rodriguez, he had 11 points off the bench last night. Their bench was the was the, the one of the biggest factors in that game last night for the running reps. Yeah, it was. And you know, it's a it's a running rebels team that, you know, let's not forget they opened up the season ten and zero. Uh, they were on the verge of becoming a top twenty five team in in December. And then, you know, the Mountain West is tough and they battled some injuries and, and all of a sudden they kind of fell back and what they had to do when they battled injuries is is throw some other guys in, right? The guys that may not have gotten the type of minutes they we're getting because of the injuries, and then now they get healthy, and all of a sudden you got a little bit more of a robust rotation. And man, that came through in flying colors last night for UNLV. You know, they're, they're really long, they're really athletic, and unfortunately for the Rams, I mean, they, they they just aren't long. They aren't athletics. They're more of a precision type team that that's going to beat you with uh, you know skills, shooting, cutting. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they just got overmatched last night, and it's too bad to see because you look now moving forward, Jim, for this basketball team. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's official at this point. The season's lost. I mean, it's uh, it's going to end in Vegas at the Mountain West Conference tournament unless they make some miraculous four game run and, and win the Mountain West Conference tournament, which at this point seems like a pretty far fetched idea. But it's going to end without the postseason play for for the first time in, in four years for, for Colorado State. So um, I, I, they might be favored in one more game the rest of the year, but that's it. Yeah, Utah State coming up. They're in the upper half of the conference right now, Saturday over at Moby, and then go to Colorado Springs, uh, take on Air Force, a team that went into Moby you know, a few weeks back and, and picked up a surprise victory there. So it's, like you said, it's... It, it, you hate to say it's over, but it's over. I mean, when it comes to, to postseason play, I mean, I, I'm with you on that. I don't think the the Rams can put together a the kind of run that you're you know that you're referencing in the Mountain West Conference tournament. Conference is too good, too too tough this year for that to happen for CSU. But I I guess for, for the rest of the way here for Nico Medved, what 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 needs to happen? What are some of the things they can try to do to maybe build on for next year? Obviously, winning basketball games would be fantastic. 
But what what do you think that Nico's hoping to see from the guys that he has right now that will be back next year for this basketball team? Well, you know, as, as Nico said last night, he said, I've, I've been in, in this business for, for 28 years, uh, the last 10 as a, as a head coach, and I've seen momentum shifts throughout the course of a season. I've, I've, I've had teams that look like a broken squad all of a sudden get a little bit of confidence and, and, and start to make a run. Now, again, I think the postseason is completely uh, out of reach at this point because how good the Mountain West is. And, you know, there's just, they're just more talented teams this year in, in the Mountain West. But, you know, he, he, he still thinks there's, there's time to end the season playing good basketball, upsetting some teams that, uh, you know, are going to be favored in games over Colorado State, upsetting some teams that uh, have NCAA aspirations. So, you know, he's seen it. He's, seen, he's had a few broken teams in the year where you think that all is lost and, and you know, all of a sudden play a good half. That good half turns into a good game. That good game turns into a three-game win streak where, where all of a sudden you start playing good basketball. And he said he's seen it the other way. He said he's had teams where, man, they look like they're on top of the world and then the bottom falls out. So, you know, momentum's a funny thing. And he still believes that this is a basketball team that, that can right the ship. And they're, you know, trying to get this thing turned around in the final nine, ten games of the season. And, and try to get a little momentum into the offseason. But, you know, the loss of David Roddy was huge. Uh, they lost uh, guard Chandler Jacobs, who brought a high level of athleticism to the team last year. And so you lose Roddy, you lose Jacobs. Uh, Kendall Moore was a very good athlete for the Rams. He's at Missouri State this year. And didn't really replace those guys with high level athletes. Of course, you don't replace David Roddy. I'm not saying you do that. I mean, it just doesn't happen anywhere outside of Kansas and Kentucky and Gonzaga where you lose first-round draft picks and fill them in with another guy that's going to be a first-round draft pick. But they have some retooling to do in the offseason. There's a lot of things that they need to do, and get longer and more athletic is going to be right there at the top of the list. And, you know, unfortunately, there's 300 58 other Division One teams that are trying to get longer and athletic in the offseason as well. So, you know, they, they have their work cut out for them. There is no question. Spring ball's coming soon. Fall camp. Yeah. It's not the, the, hey, That's Broncos right. have Sean Payton. Uh, ding dong, the witch is dead. Tom's retiring. I mean, they're. I'm trying to give you some things to be happy about today, Brian. I'm, I'm really trying here, man. No, oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Concert season at Red Rock. Oh yeah, coming up in four months, three months. Uh, that still seems like a long ways away. So, <sighs> that's all right. Uh, any uh, any We've had a lot of winning basketball of late, and, and you know sometimes you, you you have little dips. And, but I, I'm, I'm confident in, in Nico Medved and this coaching yeah. staff. They're, they're proven they can win, and not just you know have a pop a 25 win NCAA tournament team like they did last year and then fall back. Uh, but he has a track record at Furman and then now here at Colorado State where they can win, pop a really good season, and then continue it and be consistent winners. So, um, you know, we, we, we hope that's going to be the case. They'll be fine down the road. He's, he's a heck of a coach. The, this year, okay, throw this one out and, and start thinking about next year for CSU basketball. Hey, Brian, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yep, all good. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Right, Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams, joins us every Wednesday 
on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More Sean Payton talk with Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network. That's next. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Time to get in the huddle with the Broncos Radio Network's Mike Rice on the team. 923. Joining us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network. Mike, how you doing? It's been a been a uh, day or two. It has been. I'm doing well. Thanks, Jim. How about you? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Uh so we we now know who the Broncos coach will be. It's going yes. to be Sean Payton. The trade details been worked out uh, between uh, George Payton and, and the Broncos brass and Mickey Loomis and the Saints. Just your initial response to Sean Payton coming to Denver. Yeah, I think they got a guy, obviously, with a proven track record who's had success at the highest level. I mean, all the things that the Broncos so desperately need from that position, he fills. There's certainly a lot of questions. Doesn't guarantee anything. But I was talking to some people over the last, you know, since yesterday afternoon, and some of them weren't completely enthralled, and certainly there are some, you know, questions, as there always is. But if the Broncos had not gotten Jim Harbaugh or Sean Payton, and they had to honestly expand the search to guys like Mike Kafka, Brian Callahan, Jonathan Gannon, all of whom are very talented assistant coaches, but what would be the temperature of Broncos country with something like that happening? I think this is a great move. Again, I'm I'm being a little bit tempered based on what high expectations and high hopes have done in the last year to Broncos country, but I think they got a really good coach, Jim, and it's going to be fun to see how he puts things together. I just think, and I think we certainly saw with this search, which was much different than the last time, which had a lot of names, like you mentioned, Brian Callahan, who I think is going to be a head coach in this league at some point in time, has some ties to the Broncos and his past. He was on the staff uh, a long time ago before ending up in Cincinnati. Gannon, those are guys that are going to be head coaches at some point. But for Denver to go out and get a a fourth-time, first-time head coach, I just, I just think at some point, you know, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again, expecting a different result. Well, that was kind of falling into that category, and you could see who they were talking to: Harbaugh, Peyton, uh, David Shaw. At least been a college head coach, but worked in the NFL previously. Uh, you know, Raheem Morris, who'd been a, a head coach, uh, Jim Dan Caldwell, Quinn. Dan Quinn, who was a finalist the last time. That the focus was on guys who had been there and done that. And bringing that experience to the the table, I think, was the number one thing that, that Greg Penner and George Payton and company they were looking at. And you get that with Sean Payton, and and I, and I guess so for the people you've talked to, Mike. I mean, you don't have to name names. I'm not expecting that, but but what are their concerns about Sean Payton? Well, no, when I when I was referring to people I've talked to, it was just friends, and it wasn't necessarily sure. people in in football. But I, I think I think there's there really is sort of this hesitancy or fear of more of the same in Broncos country. And I get that. I completely understand it. Jim, we talked about it, you know, from the start of training camp and once the season started going south in about, what, week four or five, 
that's pretty much what you and I talked about almost every week. That there is that hesitation, that trepidation of, oh my goodness, here we go again. Is this even with Sean Payton going to be more of the same? But for those who saying, well, he only went to one Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame quarterback, let's remember that the absolutely horrendous pass interference penalty against the Saints prevented another trip when the Rams went, right? But even without that, uh, if I'm the Broncos, I would take one Super Bowl trip right about now. Absolutely. But but here's a bigger point to me. You look at Dan Quinn and what he did in Atlanta. He had an unbelievable staff. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator when, when they went to the Super Bowl. I think Mike McDaniel was on that staff. Uh, there were several other guys that I think have gone on to become NFL head coaches and very respected in the industry. If Sean Payton has success with the Broncos, Sean Payton's calling the plays. Sean Payton's running the offense. Sean Payton is the architect of that staff. So you don't have to worry about losing a coordinator if you if he gets it going, right? And if they need to find another quarterback, then he's going to be the guy that has input on, okay, this is the kind of guy I think I want. All of those things, I'm pointing to continuity. So if you believe in Sean Payton to be able to get an organization like the Broncos to the level of being a consistent playoff participant and the ability to make deep runs fairly often, there's a very good chance you're going to be able to sustain that success over time. A lot of it depends on the quarterback. We know this. But I I just think there's too many positives. And because there's this trepidation in Broncos country, I found myself falling into, during the search, the thought of, well, this guy's not good enough because of this. This guy has these shortcuts. And it's like, wait a minute. Sean Payton is now the head coach of the Broncos. Let that sink in for a moment. That doesn't, again, guarantee anything. But as I think about that, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, at one point, I mean, it seemed like a a long shot. Let's be honest about that, that it was going to happen. That Whether Sean Payton even wanted to come back and coach, maybe he was going to wait for the Cowboys job, wait another year, go back to Fox. He could kind of pick and choose. Would he want to go to Houston, where they have a lot of draft capital, and that's a soft division where he could maybe turn things around quickly. I mean, there were there were a lot of things to with Sean Payton. You're going, I, I just I don't see it happening. And and the feeling was is that the longer that it dragged out, the less likely it was going to happen. Well, turns out that you know even though the it may have been it may have taken a while to stick the landing, so to speak, for for George Payton and Greg Pinner, they they stuck the landing yesterday. And they didn't have to give up two first-round draft picks to get a guy the caliber of Sean Payton. I think they gave up less than what I thought they would have. I totally agree with you on that. And and I think that was marvelous. I mean, again, as Big Al has said for us for for weeks now, or for at least a week or two now, and I agree with him, that you know the 29th pick of the draft is is not a slam dunk. Now, it's a first-round pick, and that means certain things economically, and it's, it's at the top of the draft, but it's not like you're guaranteed to get a star at number 29. It's just it, it, it's a good pick, and I wish the Broncos had it, but they also swapped a day two pick next year. I'd, I love a second round pick, but you know what? They at least got an extra third, which they could package and move back into the second round in 24. I mean, there's a lot of things, so it's not as if they depleted their draft capital and 
as Benjamin Albright pointed out, if you think about Bradley Chubb and a draft pick for Sean Payton and a draft pick, that's another way to look at it. It's a little bit of spin for sure because you're trying to force yourself to believe that this was a positive move. I acknowledge that. But but that's still not a bad trade, I don't think, for a guy in Chubb that they weren't even going to sign to a big money deal. And maybe Miami's having second thoughts about signing to the deal, signing uh, him to the deal they did. So uh, I I just think that they gave up as little as probably would be fair to expect. And I want to throw this out there too, Jim, just sure. to ramble a little bit more. Mina Kimes of of ESPN had a couple of interesting tweets. On the one hand, she says. The ideal offense for Russell Wilson at this point in his career is markedly different from what Peyton is known for. I'm fascinated to see what he does from a scheme standpoint. I agree, but this is the tweet I love from her. So it's the other side of that coin. What can Sean Peyton do with maybe a guy that is not quite as good as we all thought at this point in his career, who has certain skills that maybe... Sean Payton hasn't used as much in his offense. She writes, from 2019-2020, the Teddy Bridgewater slash fading Drew Brees slash Taysom Hill-led Saints, now listen to this, finished second league-wide in points per game despite averaging like .3 air yards per pass attempt. The man is a freaking wizard. Now, I don't know what he's going to be able to do with Russell Wilson and an offensive line that needs to be completely rebuilt and some patchwork of skill players who I think are at least decent to maybe pretty good. But I know this much. He's done a lot with kind of a little in the past. And when you put numbers like that on paper or to where you can read them, I go, all right, they got a guy who gives them a chance even next year, to markedly improve an offense that was abysmal. Mike Rice joins us on the Jim Davis Show. With that offense, they had some weapons at wide receiver in New Orleans. I feel the Broncos, depth-wise, are are more are deeper now with everybody healthy, obviously. Can Javante Williams kind of fill that Alvin Kamara role in the Sean Payton playbook? Yeah, Rio, that really brings up an interesting question because some of the Broncos' skill players, Javante being one, Tim Patrick, the other coming off very serious injuries. So is it fair to expect Javante Williams to be the guy that they hoped he would be in week one last year because he was hurt in, what, game two or three so early in the season? I don't know what's fair. I'm a little hesitant to think that starting week one of, this coming, the 2023 regular season, you've got Javante Williams and he's back to his old self. I hope so. I think the Broncos feel like over time he could still be very good and and a productive player. And the same with Tim Patrick. Hurt in training camp, so at least it was early, I guess, if there's a bright side, because hopefully he can you know, get back quicker and be back to his old self sooner. But with those two guys, I don't know. I mean, I, I look at maybe the need to re-sign Latavius Murray, uh, maybe looking at Marlon Mack coming back and providing a, a spark in that backfield uh, as some veterans who have gotten some productive miles on the tires, and then y- you feel like, okay, we're at least covered with some productivity until we see sort of where Javante is, for example, 
in his recovery and how effective he might be and when that might be happening uh, once once you get into training camp and the preseason and whatnot. As we circle back to uh, draft capital, we know George Payton's not shy about sending players away for draft picks. They do have some players or some positions which they're really deep, which you know maybe running back might be one of those with Javante Williams' health still kind of up in the air. Wide receiver is one of those. Do you feel that there's going to be some guys maybe on the move out for George Payton to kind of pad some of these draft picks he's given up for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton? I think there could be, absolutely. I mean, you've got now a brand-new coach and soon to have a brand-new staff, and those guys are going to look at players in different ways. And maybe they feel like there's a, a more prominent veteran that they could deal, and I don't have anyone in mind. I'm just speculating that, okay, we, we think we can do without that guy because the need to bolster things and the – you know, potentially day one or day two of the draft takes priority because we believe that there are guys in the draft that could come in and, and help us. And you're also talking about potentially creating some salary cap space because that new staff, along with the front office, is looking at the free agent list saying we need more money to spend because there are guys out there we feel are better, but we've got to create some not only roster spots, but some cap space. So I absolutely think that there could be movement uh, on the roster before free agency starts. In fact, part of me is expecting that. Now, to what degree, how dramatic that movement will be, it's tough to know because we don't know what Sean Payton and his new staff will feel about certain players that, from the standpoint of fans, are sort of core guys or prominent guys on that roster. Mike Rice, 850-KOA, Broncos Radio Network, with us today on the Team Sports Network. Your colleague, Voice of the Broncos, Dave Logan, on uh, the Sports Zoo, talked about Vic Fangio, former Broncos head coach, and there was reports that Vic was going to be uh, made the highest-paid defensive coordinator in the league by Stephen Ross and the Dolphins. There's the talk that he might go back to San Francisco to uh, replace D'Amico Ryan's and on Kyle Shanahan's staff because Vic has a girlfriend who's an eye surgeon that lives in the Bay Area. But Dave said that the Broncos have been talking with, about, with Vic Fangio about coming back to be Sean Payton's defensive coordinator. Uh, provide a little insight on that for us, Mike. Yeah, I think it's possible. And, and it's funny you talk about that because Dave just this morning characterized the chances of that happening, Vic returning to Denver as Sean Payton's D.C., as about 50-50. And that, I don't have inside information on it, but that sounds about right to me. I, I could see Vic Fangio with where he is in his career, sort of his personality of just being a football guy and being a lifer in the NFL, saying, look, yeah, I don't think things went down well, but I, I can get over that. We're going to have a better staff with better players. And let's be honest about it, how long is George Payton going to be here? I mean, Payton was the guy who basically made the decision – to go in a different direction from Vic, and there's no guarantee that George Payton will be here much longer than after the draft or much longer than a year or so, especially if things don't go great in year number one for Payton. I mean, it's not going to be Sean Payton and his assistants that go if things you know, don't turn around in 2023. It's going to probably be more, it's more likely to be someone like George Payton. So, and... 
uh, Sean Payton has a history, as as Albright told us, of kind of bringing in his own guy. We already had already heard before the move was made to hire Payton that you know Ryan Pace is a name that he could very well want as a GM. Jeff Ireland would be a name that perhaps he would want to bring into the front office. So I think it's entirely possible that Vic Fangio is back. I don't know what Vic's thinking, so it's hard to guess. But to me, it's not at all out of the question. I think it's very much in the realm of possibility. And I think one of the points that's been brought up about the trade for Sean Payton is that no longer can you say, well, the head coach is the problem. That now it is a, it's going to be a case say, if, if Russell Wilson doesn't start to play the way Russ used to. That it is Russell Wilson that is the problem. It's a declining skill set for Russell Wilson. It's other problems with the football team that the hiring of Sean Payton, at least here for a while, it's going to be Sean Payton's fine, staff's fine. It's the roster that we have that's the problem, not the coaching staff. And yeah, so I think so. Oh, sorry, no, it's okay. So it's just, I think it's just going to change the dynamic a little bit about where where, where blame has to, where, where blame will be placed in regard to a team that if, if they continue to struggle, it's not going to be on Sean Payton and the staff. It's going to be on the roster. This is just me speculating, but I think if Russell Wilson's play doesn't improve significantly, I, I don't. I think it's entirely within the realm of possibility that he is a very expensive backup in 2024. And after that, after the 2024 season, I think the cap hit on Russell would be $49.5 million, but his salary would be about $37 million. So you're only talking about an extra $12 million coming off your salary cap if you feel you completely have to part ways. So uh, it was interesting that Deuce McAllister, the Saints color analyst who played for Peyton down in New Orleans, was on with Dave and Big Al and Ryan yesterday, and he said Sean Peyton's going to play the best players. There will be accountability for these players. And the idea of the culture getting back to what it needs to be for an NFL locker room, Jim, might be the biggest appeal for Sean Peyton to be at the helm as the new head coach. He has the gravitas, he has the resume, and he has the past success. You're not going to mess with that if you're a player. Yes, sir. No, sir. I need a roster spot. I'll do what you ask me. And let's face it, the Broncos have lacked that. They have absolutely lacked that since Vance Vance Joseph became the head coach. It never happened under Vance. It never happened under Vic as the head coach. And it certainly didn't happen under Hackett last year. The word I've heard is that he'll put fear into the building, into fear for your job in, in a good way, not necessarily a negative way, that you're going to have to earn what you get here. And that no matter what you've done in the past, that that's irrelevant to Sean Payton. It's what can you do now? And that he's going to create that kind of competitive environment like you said that has been lacking for this football team since Gary Kubiak stepped away and it will be in it'll be interesting to see who he brings in is it Vic Fangio does the Giravero stay around what what happens at the OC spot which it's going to be Sean Payton's offense but does Joe Lombardi guy that he's worked with now Chargers former OC does does he end up there does Mike Munchak come back to coach the Broncos offensive line that's uh 
it's a world of possibilities. It's an exciting time. And I, I said, I think Denver, by going and getting Sean Payton, the cost was not prohibitive like we thought it was going to be. And they bring in a guy that will be the adult in the room. And that's something they've been needing for quite some time. I think that's all really well said. I don't disagree with a single thing you just said. And again, it doesn't guarantee success next year. I do think they need to show improvement next year. I mean, you don't get paid $17 million you know, to wait four years before things happen. But on the other side of it is you have to acknowledge where the Broncos are. And they're at the bottom right now. And offensively, they were historically bad for them. And in some ways, historically bad, or at least borderline historically bad in terms of points scored uh, in the NFL. I I look at it this way, though, Jim, uh, Jim, is that you look at after they parted ways with Hackett after game 15, and I know it's just the final two games, Russell Wilson and the offense look like much more like a real offense, like an NFL offense should look not just in terms of execution, but just in terms of approach, in terms of carrying themselves uh, the way they did under Jerry Rosberg. And now you have Sean Payton leading the helm and a revamped offensive line and a Russell Wilson who I think can still play at at some pretty high level and, and some amount of skill players. I don't think that some sort of turnaround towards mediocrity offensively is out of the question. And if that defense can stay close to where it was last year and you have, let's just say, a mediocre offense, they had a mediocre offense this year, Jim. They're very much in the playoff conversation. Playoffs. Playoffs. So, yeah, so I, again, I'm not going to go off the deep end and say, here we go, let's hitch up the cart. Exactly. But I do think that if the offense can show improvement towards being average, this team has a chance to have a much better one-loss record. And if history indicates anything with Sean Payton, chances of this offense being better than average are really good, considering what he's done in the past. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that. But, uh, Mike, appreciate the time this morning. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks to you guys. Appreciate it. All right, Mike Rice, 852 KOA, Broncos Radio Network. All right, 945. Jim along with uh, Buckeye Boy today. And it's time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1913, Jim Thorpe, star of the 1912 Olympics, signs to play baseball with the New York Giants. Also on this day, 2004, Patriots kicker Adam Vinatieri kicks a game-winning field goal to win the Super Bowl with four seconds to go to lift them to a 32-29 win over the Carolina Panthers in the uh, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, Nipplegate. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was also a game that week. There was also a game that they played that day as well. 2009, Pittsburgh Steelers score the final touchdown to rally past Arizona in the Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger throws the touchdown pass to give them a 27-23 victory. Santonio Holmes makes the brilliant catch for the touchdown for the Steelers. 2014, Ray Guy becomes the first punter elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. In 2015, Malcolm Butler intercepts Russell Wilson in the end zone to seal the Patriots' win over the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, 28-24. All right, speaking of the big game, chance to get qualified right now for a table 
for six and 50 wings at Buffalo Wild Wings February 12th for the big game. And today, uh, the fifth texture, you get qualified and you get a shareable appetizer from Buffalo Wild Wings. So text in now. Text B-dubs. Please put your first name, last name on your text. Fifth texter gets qualified. You get the sh- the appetizer, and you get qualified to the table for six and 50 wings of Buffalo Wild Wings. Text in right now, 970-242-1340. 970-242-1340. Please put your first, last name on it and B-dubs on your text. We'll take a break, and we'll wrap things up after the other on the other side of the break on the Jim Davis Show. You're listening to The Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. Welcome back, 950. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. Text or call us today, 970-242-1340. All right. Got garbage time coming up in a moment. Uh, quick reminder, by the way, that uh, we'll be at the Blue Moon tonight. Our uh, Colorado Mesa football signing show tonight, 5 until 6 o'clock at the Blue Moon, which uh, it'll be going on into the evening, by the way, but we'll be broadcasting live from 5 to 6. Greg Wenzel and myself will be down at the Blue Moon downtown, and uh, we'll talk with some of the local players that are signing with Colorado Mesa, Cash Walker, uh, Devin Hickey, also uh, Nico Moreno. They're all uh, going to sign with Colorado Mesa, uh, along with, of course, head coach Miles Coachaver and Maverick assistant coaches. So we'll have that tonight on the team before Villanova Marquette. That's at 6.15 tonight, but our show will be from uh, 5 until 6 o'clock tonight at the Blue Moon. So please uh, join us downtown for that one tonight. Should be uh, a lot of fun uh, celebrating this year's signing class for Miles Coachaver. All right, uh, text or call 970-242-1340. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. And uh, do we have a winner, by the way, qualifier and winner for our big game giveaway with Buffalo Wild Wings? Yes, we do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Tim in the door for the final drawing gets a shareable appetizer from B-dubs. And again, want to remind you, you can text in B-dubs 11 times this morning. It's not going to help you. one text. Counts so as one. You're All you're doing is just wasting your own time. And your, you know, text minutes or whatever. Or 10 we, cents uh, for text. That you're, you're wasting 50 cents. Yeah, just, People just still text. do that? Text. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I don't. Text one time. That's yeah. all you need to do. I mean, really. Come on. That's all you have to do. The only thing it really does is put you at the top of the list, but it still shows up as six, seven, eight new messages. So we don't really have to filter through them, which is very nice. Which is very nice. So, All right, let's get to some garbage time this morning. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, so... The Broncos are giving up the 29th pick. Here are guys taken with the 29th pick. 2021, cornerback Eric Stokes, Green Bay Packers. Did play 92% of their snaps as a rookie, but then he's been injured since then. 2020, offensive tackle uh, Isaiah Wilson with the Tennessee Titans. Played just three snaps. 
2019. I have no idea who that is. Defensive end LJ Collier with the Seattle Seahawks. Played 49% of their snaps in 2020, but that dropped to 30% in 2021. I've already forgotten his name. 2018, defensive tackle Taven Bryan with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Rotational guy on the defensive line. Here's a guy that you know, 2017. David David Njoku with your Cleveland Browns. The Chief. Who's been okay. All right. Better the last two years. 2015, Philip Dorsett, wide receiver Colts. Dominique Easley, defensive tackle, Patriots 2014. Cordero Patterson is probably one of the better known, more successful 29th picks in the first round. I mean, Harrison Smith, okay, with the Vikings, pretty solid safety for them. But, I mean, you go down the list, there's just not... The 29th pick is not you know, liter, you know loaded up with all these great... They're not a bunch of Canton dudes. Exactly. So... If you're pining about losing the 29th pick to get Sean Payton, you shouldn't. What do you have? Uh, Ozzy Osbourne officially retiring from Really? Yes. He's been battling Parkinson's for now several years. Says he just can't do it anymore. That's too bad. Well, hopefully he'll still still record. That's Mm -hmm. that's at least my hope anyway. Uh, Yeah, and hopefully it's better than... Patient number nine was, I thought, a pretty good album. I didn't think it was bad. I think it was horrible. It was different. Could 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 be a lot better. I'm just saying. Well, he he got away from. I think what he's known for. Yeah. A little bit. He has the last couple of albums. To be quite honest. True. I still enjoy his stuff though. He, he did a song with Jeff Beck. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I, I mean, I, mean, I didn't I mean, think it was like the greatest album he ever did, but I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was the, like the worst thing he's ever done. The song he did with Elton John album before that. That yeah, wasn't very good. That was not. That was that was a, a pretty poor album. I thought. Mm-hmm. All right, that's our show for today. We'll have uh, interviews with some of the kids uh, signing locally tomorrow on the program. Also, see you voice Mark Johnson as well, and the return of in the garage of NASCAR Fred tomorrow.